Real Estate. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show, where we can all find out how's it going for buyers and sellers in the real estate market. I have died and gone to real estate heaven. Looking to move? Hoping to sell? Call in with your questions to real estate expert Mimi Shoneman with Remax Results. I'm going to go out and buy a house. Here she is, your host, Mimi Shoneman. Yes, thank you for joining us this Sunday morning for the Red Hot Real Estate Show. I'm Miss Shannon here with Mimi Shoneman, our Red Hot Realtor and extraordinary person in general. How are you doing, Mimi? <laughs> I'm doing very well. Thank you so much. So glad to see you. How come you. you didn't tell me I was cute today? I did. Oh, oh you're you. always cute, Mimi. Okay, fine. I told you you were cute, and I specifically gave you a compliment on your blouse. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm fishing today. Somebody show me some love. You know what? Some days we all need that. We need somebody to show us a little additional love. You know, uh, Phil's looking cute today. Hey, Phil, how are you doing? Phil, I'm Olson, doing awesome. American Mortgage and Equity. Good morning. Uh, why don't we start with your NMLS number this morning, Phil? Well, first off, we're known as Amic Home Loans. Thank you. Okay. And Sorry. my MLS is 238-103, branch at MLS 379-094. Company on MLS one five zero nine five three. Thank you as well for joining. We well, didn't have you. that recorded <laughs> and hit a little button well, no, with a, like a, a nice sounder, like a, a trumpet or something. Yeah, <laughs> it, it actually causes me to go to get out of breath. Have to say that. <laughs> but it's so wa- important walking all those steps up to get here. Correct. <laughs> Everybody's a workout. Well, you guys have been really busy and out there on the road as it is anyway. In addition to the step, uh, the the steps that you have to do to get into the My Talk Studios. So, I mean, we were already talking about this. I think we started way back in the winter going, things are not slowing down. They're just getting more and more fever pitch out there in the real estate market. Is that still the case? Mm, I'd say I think it's slowed down a little bit. Okay. Okay. But that's that's due to, I think, school is about to end and people are going to start, you know, purchasing more homes as soon as they get out of school. So right now they're just busy with real life things and they don't really have time. Graduation to stuff things. like that. Yeah, I think. you do see a little bit of a seasonal thing around Memorial Day and then the graduation season and people are very busy on the weekends with all of that. And mm-hmm. just as soon as they put they pack up the party tables and the, you know, shrimp, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> then they start thinking, wow, this house is big. Yep. We got to get out of here. Yeah. We want to talk to you graduation people. <laughs> Give us a call here today. If you have managed to successfully get your kids out of the house, now might be the time for you to look at a different house. Is That's what you're right. Saying. Well, you know, when you've got like wings and stuff, you know, oh, I'll see you on the east wing today <laughs> and the west wing. I don't know. Well, you, you know, Phil, you live in a mansion. So. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> So okay. tell everybody about what you've been doing, Phil, because Phil's all buff and tan. He's been up in some sort of, you know, remote area playing fish and all that <laughs> now, stuff. I was fishing on Lake of the Woods here two weeks ago and been doing a little bit of golfing, mostly working, okay. believe it or not. Yeah, he works all the time. That's true. This is true. So because one of the things is that, you know, in each of your your industries, even if you're on vacation, you're probably not really on vacation. I mean, it's kind of one of those things that you are working and, and helping your clients out not quite 24 seven, but a lot of time, you know, there's no such thing as just specific hours sometimes if you have to get something done, right? Well, I mean, for I've been in the business 15 years and for the first 10 years of my business, I didn't really have a staff. Okay. I was pretty much by myself, but now I have a full-time staff and they're able to take on some of the things that I do and they're able to help me out. But, you know, a true vacation where a real estate agent or a mortgage loan officer can literally just throw his phone away right. and throw the laptop away really doesn't happen. Un- unless you're not a good loan officer, or a good real estate agent. 
That's true. I mean, I will tell you, you know, I had a trip of a lifetime to Greece. Yes. And I'm sitting there, you know, on the balcony with my laptop watching the sunset, you know, but you're getting it done. Yeah. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. It's relaxing-ish is yeah. what it is. Um, kind of thing. Because you news. guys are out there making deals. Yeah. So, I think that's fair, though. I mean, if you're sitting there going, okay, how do I determine um, what is a good relationship with my mortgage consultant, my mortgage person, and my realtor? You know, we want them to be good uh, stewards of your time as well and appreciate you. But that's something that you kind of expect as part of the job, right? Well, you know, I wish I had a dollar for every time when you actually work with somebody that you've known for a while and they say, I just couldn't do what you do. (laughs) (laughs) You know, That's funny. Yesterday, for example, I did three pre-approval letters. I had two clients call me that were making offers. I ended up having to run back to the office because I didn't have my laptop with me to run numbers for the client. And, you know, my client was very appreciative. And he, he even said, hey, if you if I was working with one of the big banks, I wouldn't be talking to my loan officer right now. Yeah. And so. Small banks. You know, I get a lot of people that, you know, are affiliated and I'm not even going to say who they're affiliated with. But, you know, what I'm talking about um, that I'm like, if, if you find a pre-approval over the week, if you need one, you can't get it. It's mm-hmm. not happening. Mm-hmm. Think about that. So, Ms. Shannon, you and I, we found your dream home on right. Saturday at 4 p.m. And I need to make an offer and right it's, now. It's in multiples, and we've got a deadline of 7 p.m. You get your offer in or forget about it, and you're like banging the phone, and you can't get a hold of your loan officer because they don't have loan officer hours they got i don't know what kind of hours they have (laughs) they got Uh, banking hours eight to five and so you're then you're looking at me i'm like hey we talked about this right so you know just know that that's why phil olson is a he is an optimum choice Mm. for a loan officer (laughs) and he's tan today i am tan a little bit (laughs) (laughs) we'll make him blush at some point what are we talking about today phil well i thought we would talk about the do's and the don'ts of the mortgage process and over all the years that I've been doing this, I've seen clients, consumers make humongous mistakes, and they always say the following, well, I didn't know. Okay. And believe it or not, these mistakes that they make can actually cause them to lose a specific program, can cause them to lose their interest rate, can cause them to even lose the mortgage by being denied. Okay. And it really comes down to, you know, one of the things that I've said over the years is, you know, the five P's of a mortgage is prior planning prevents a poor performance. And with the market as hot, and it's still hot right. as it is, your your mortgage loan officer and your real estate agent have to be able to react very quickly with a consumer to basically be able to write up an offer and get a mortgage done in a very expedited fashion. Matter of fact, sometimes we're even seeing where the sellers are putting a stipulation into the purchase contract that says you need to close in 15 days. Now, that's about as fast as I've ever gotten a loan done. Okay. But it's because maybe they've got another house that they're going to move into. So what what ends up happening is a consumer will get what's either called pre-qualified and then get pre-approved. Right. But then what ends up happening is they do things during the course of that process afterwards that actually can cause them to become unimproved okay or unapproved and i guess the 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 main things that i want to talk about would be you know credit income employment down payment debt to income ratios and federal taxes those are basically six different categories that could cause a consumer to be one approved or to become 
unapproved. And what happens if they do something very specific after they get approved that can cause them to become unimproved? And, you know, Phil, I I think the thing is, is there's a a whole host of things that I know you cover in your initial consultation and I cover as well Mm -hmm. about do not do this. So to say that you haven't heard about it um, after the fact, you know, you may not have been listening, but you heard it. Um, and and because I know you tell people these things because they they're common things that can cause a consumer. They may just be clipping away, trying to get packed and they don't think about things. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, they're they're in serious trouble. Exactly. So let's before we go into the next break, let's just start with what's the one thing that pops to your mind that somebody's done recently that's caused their mortgage to have a, a serious problem? Okay. Uh, a little horror story. Client sold a vehicle. They thought they could sell the vehicle and use it for additional down payment funds. They did not get a bill of sale when they sold the vehicle. Okay. They didn't get an invoice. They received cash of a little bit over $5,000. They then spent 2000 of that dollars. And then they deposited 3000 And they said, now we're going to use this as a down payment. The problem is, is they did not source and season any of these funds. So we have a $3,000 deposit in a bank statement. And under federal law, you cannot use funds unless they've been sourced and seasoned. What does that mean? Right. Where did the money come from? All right. And has the money been in the bank account long enough to count it towards down payment funds? And what the federal government is, is trying to prevent is there, it comes under basically four different laws. You got what's called the Dodd-Frank anti-money laundering law, anti-terrorism bill, and then you've got what's called RESPA. Okay. okay? And then those are four big, big laws. And intertwined into that, it basically, there's specific guidelines and overlays that we as a mortgage lender or mortgage loan officer have to follow. And all intertwined within those four different regulations, it specifically says you cannot use cash to buy a home. Okay. In this situation, our clients spent all their money thinking the replacement of the money coming from the sale of the vehicle they could, could be, use. Could use. Unfortunately, there was no bill of sale, so we couldn't prove that the vehicle was sold. Secondly, when we did what's called, you have to go to Kelly Blue Book to determine the value of the vehicle. They actually sold it for more than the value of the vehicle, which is a good thing for them. Right. But we're only able to use the value of the Kelly Blue Book. So- In this situation, we had to come back to the consumer and say, we can't use any of these funds. Now, in the end, it all worked out. We were able to get some gifted funds from a family member, but the consumer wasn't thinking and they don't think it's a big deal. And that's where that's where the problem comes up. People think it's not a big deal. So let's Uh, talk about this. So you're talking about cash. When we come back from the break, let's talk about how some buyers might have an enormous garage sale mm-hmm. and how that might impact their cash in their bank account. Sure. We're also going to take your questions. You can call us here at the Red Hot Real Estate Show at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us here on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. I'm Miss Shannon here with Mimi Shoneman from Remax Results, also from Amec uh, and um, Amec uh 
Okay, you say how you're supposed to say it, Phil. Amic Home Loans. Thank you very much, because I was going to go through the whole thing of American Mortgage and Equity. But Amic Home Loans, that's what we're going to say. And you can always contact us here at the Red Hot Real Estate Show at 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071. You can get your questions answered by our experts here, Mimi Shoneman and Phil Olson. You can also get a copy of our guides, Things to Consider When Buying a Home and Things to Consider When Selling a Home. We have those wonderful 2018 versions of those guides that you can get just by calling in. And I remember you were also discussing, Mimi, that you have that Millennials Guide to Buying a Home as well. Is that we still do. available? Absolutely. So there's lots of resources on our website, mnredhotrealestate.com. But we also post a lot of great links on the MyTalk 1071 show page. And our keyword is Red Hot. So you can go right to that and check out all of the great links that we have posted. You can shop for property right there. You can pick up a copy of the guides, both sellers and buyers guides. And uh, if you're going through a life change or a divorce, things like that, you can also get information there. Perfect. And we also have some great opportunities out there. If you were going, I need a little more incentive to go out and start talking to a mortgage representative. So, Phil, you have a great deal out there right now if they want to work with you and Mimi. If they work with Mimi and I here and and they call me or they call Mimi in the next 30 days, I'm going to automatically reduce their closing costs by $500. Perfect. Wow, that's a serious, serious deal. Especially when we just started talking about how much work and how much uh, resources and time it goes into doing this correctly. And that's the information that we're sharing today. If you call in at 651-641-1071, that's 651-641-1071. Some do's and don'ts and some tips out there to make sure that you go through this process appropriately and don't end up, you know, hurting your chance to get the mortgage that you need. Oh my gosh. There are so many things that are moving pieces that happen from the time that you finally make your mind up that you're going to start looking for property. Um, the first step, of course, the smart step is to start by talking to our mortgage expert, Phil Olson with Amec, and get that process started. Because if you don't have a real solid plan from your finances, then you're going to be nervous and anxious the whole time that you're out there looking with me. You're going to be second guessing yourself. Um, I don't know. Maybe I can, maybe, and, and it, and it's very difficult with you if you start doing that to yourself. Should I look at this property? Is it too expensive for me? Is it going to be more than what I'm currently paying for rent? I get those questions all of the time. Right. We need to have a solid game plan before we go out so that your experience is good. Um, and that comes with l- getting the, the facts of what your mortgage program ought to look like from your mortgage professional, Phil Olson, so that we aren't like accidentally looking at property that you couldn't or wouldn't. Right. And there's a big difference between couldn't and wouldn't. So Phil can qualify a lot of folks for a lot of house. And they may say, no, I really don't want to go that high. I don't want to live, you know, all owning the house owning me. Yes. I want to mm-hmm. be able to have some cushion to do some fun things like go golfing and fishing with Phil right. once it closes. Exactly. Exactly. So, Phil, you were talking a little bit about before the break about how somebody made a huge mistake about selling a vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, could the same thing happen uh, with selling anything like having an enormous yard sale or garage sale and putting that money into your bank account? I would tell you any cash that's deposited into a bank statement or into any form of financial uh document that's going to be used for either down payment or even earnest money. And earnest money is is the money that a consumer puts down when they make an offer on a house that actually goes towards their down payment. So when you pay earnest money, I don't 
don't want the consumer to think they're going to pay more money for the house. It's actually as a part of their down payment. Okay. But basically, there's there's multiple different programs out there. I'll give you an example of one. MHFA, which is the Minnesota Housing Finance. You have to qualify the consumer on every penny that's put into their bank statement. And I mean one penny. We actually literally have to go back to this consumer and say, where did these funds come from? And we need proof. Reason being is MHFA, Home Ready, Home Possible. These are first-time home buyer programs. Okay. They're based on income. So what an underwriter is going to be looking at is trying to determine is that income that's on the bank statement a part of their employment? Is that a side job? Is that a part-time job? Or, you know, is it something that they're doing, you know, I'm sorry to say under the table type of thing? Because under Minnesota housing, you've got income restrictions. And if the income goes too high over that income restriction, they no longer qualify for the program. Right. But intertwined in that is the government regulations that basically said you cannot use cash to pay for a home. Why is that, Phil? Well, I think it goes back to, you know, um, one, 9-11, believe it or not, two of the terrorists that uh, were involved actually bought homes here in the United States and they used cash. So that came under the anti-money laundering and anti-terrorism bill. Um, I would have to say, you know, it, it just has to do with the federal government saying, if you're going to bring cash to the table, you have to prove where that money came from. We have to have the documentation of that income. And then it could be due to either program guideline or it could be due to federal government guidelines. So Phil and Mimi, we've mentioned before that, you know, cash is king and we've uh, met, used that word cash to say you could buy a, a property. So mm-hmm. what you're really saying is that that may be you might have the, that lump sum of money in an account for a specified period of 60 time. 60-day period. Okay. Once it hits a 60-day period, those funds do not have to be sourced and seasoned. So if a consumer getting a, an inheritance of, you know, let's say $2 million here right. two years ago, and they've had it in a bank statement the whole time, they're totally fine. Okay. It's the problem when the consumer is not thinking about buying a house. Here's where the problem comes, really. The consumer's not thinking about buying a house, and they're driving down the street, they're eating ice cream. And next thing you know, they pass a house that's for sale and they go, oh my gosh, that is our perfect house. And next thing you know, they're calling Mimi. And next thing you know, Mimi's saying, call Phil. And then guess what? Now I'm gathering their bank statements. I'm gathering their financials. And then now I'm asking them, well, where did this money come from? Where did this money come from? And they're going, I don't know. And I'm going, well, then the only way we can use this bank statement is we have to back those funds out. Ah, okay. So we have to back them out. So let, let's just say we have $10,000 in the bank statement and there's their down payment. But guess what? 8000 of it cannot be used because it can't be sourced and seasoned. Now, how do we bridge that gap? Because so if you do- were someone, I'd say you were one of my friends that's a little bit on the conspiracy theory side and had been hanging out with some money in a safe in his basement. Um, so if he I has some safe, I have, yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't make him <laughs> up. There's a friend of mine that has that. And he's all like, I yep. might need to live in the woods. Yep. Um, if he found the perfect lot of property out in the middle of nowhere that he wanted, but that money had been sitting in his basement safe and he couldn't prove where he got that basement safe money from, Correct. he couldn't use it for a down payment. I would tell you it's going to cause a big problem. Gotcha. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, 
one of the things that I think that people don't know is they think more money is better, right? Sometimes that's true. Most of the time that's true. Most of the time but it's true. But when you are using one of the federal down payment assistance programs, the MHFAs, mm-hmm. where you're going to be getting a grant um, for towards your down payment, there are specific guidelines based on the number of people you have in your immediate household. Okay. And mm-hmm. so if you are, are the kind of person where you're maybe working several different jobs and you think, oh, well, I could just work a few extra hours and that could certainly benefit my financial position. Mm-hmm. That might actually kick you out of this down payment assistance program because they don't they don't play. Can you use me as an example to say, okay, so I'm a single mom, I got a ten year old, you know, kind of thing. So it's just me and my kid. Yep. How much money in theory do I need to be making? What's the range for the down payment assistance program? Yes, Phil. Well, it's not how much money should you be making, right? It's, It's are you making too much money? Fair enough. That's where it comes down to, and it also then comes down to. Who's actually going to be living in the household? So under Home Ready and Home Possible, you have to take what's called combined income for all family members to include children. Okay. So that could include government assistance. That could include, uh, it is uh, alimony, child support, dividend income. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So when, when I'm looking at it is a Minnesota housing loan, your income is only based off of those that go on the loan. Okay. So if your child was receiving income, we would not have to count that. All right. Okay. But if we were doing it is, say, a home ready, which is a 3% down conventional first time home buyer program, you're, we, we're constantly looking, are you making too much money or are you not making enough money? And not making enough money affects what's called debt-to-income ratios. Right. Okay. Making too much money comes down to, do you qualify for the program, which basically the the government is basically saying, we want to assist those who are at a lesser or median income average. And okay. so you would see something like that happen. Uh, for instance, a teacher oftentimes picks up extra work during the summer. Yes. Yeah, and co- so, they do coaching. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they may make a certain base during the year and then that extra stuff that they do could kick them over the limit and so that's why we say have a conversation a deep conversation with our expert mortgage person phil olson and let's figure out okay when do you need to stop working if you are going to use that program same thing too you see it happen with lyft drivers right you know they could be right up on the the edge of it and then they go over Mm -hmm. and it's like and then it kicks them out of getting ten thousand dollars because they made a twenty dollar fare, and right. I, could be even fifteen. And I am not even kidding. So, yeah. well, I mean, uh, another horror story I just recently had is I I got the W twos, which are the documents you get from your employer at the end of the year, and the tax return, and his W two said forty five thousand dollars, but right. yet the tax return said sixty two thousand. Well, guess what? I found out there was a ten ninety nine. For unemployment compensation, my client was a seasonal worker. Right. So when they tell me what their income is, do you think they're going to tell me, well, I also receive unemployment every year? Okay, well, I added that, plus we had his wife's income. Prior to that, they qualified for the down payment assistance program. Once I found out that he's a seasonal worker and it's likely to continue that he would be laid off every three months during the course of the year... He no longer qualified, but the good news was 
I had a different program we could use. It wasn't as good as the first program, right? but that specific program helped them get their home. So when we come back from the break, we'll continue talking about some of the the biggest mortgage and real estate bloopers that we've experienced. And hopefully we'll be able to spare some of our listeners some pain. Definitely. We'll return soon on the Red Hot Real Estate Show on My Talk 1071. We're here on the Red Hot Real Estate Show on My Talk 1071. I'm Miss Shannon with Mimi Shoneman, our host from Remax Results, also Phil Olson from Amec Home Loans. They're here giving you some information, helping you just avoid those pitfalls as you're going through the mortgage process. We're also giving you a copy of our great guides that are available, things to consider when buying a home and things to consider when selling a home. All you have to do is call in and talk to us at 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071. Okay, so Phil, um, before the break, we were talking a little bit about some bloopers that people can make mistakes doing. What is the next thing that you would say is a big problem out there? I would have to say the mistakes that people make on credit. And what I'd like to do is kind of break it down of some of the things that I see people do. And as if, if somebody works with me, I try my very best to go over every potential pitfall or any potential red flag. Okay. And, and then one of the things I always leave my customer with is I say, don't do a thing now. And I, I truly do <laughs> Once not. Once you get approved, you tell them do, just leave everything. Leave everything. Okay. Do not change your status at all because you changing your status in any one of these categories through of the whole loan application could cause you either your credit score to drop, you lose the program, or you don't even qualify anymore. So here are some of the big things I see people do that can cause potential and issues. And I'm sorry, Phil, before I let you get through that list, how long do they need to stay in, sta- in stasis? <laughs> I would tell you they need to stay in that status as long as they're going to be a pro prospective buyer okay so or, it could be quite some time that they need to be. leave everything alone but but correct and that's why i always tell them is if you're going to change anything or if you even think this is a problem you call me gotcha okay and i don't care if it's seven o'clock at night on a weekend whatever i get these calls all the time phil i'm thinking about doing this and either i'll give them a thumbs up or I'll give them a thumbs down. All right. And if I tell, give them thumbs down, I'm going to say, okay, this is what's going to happen if you do this. Okay. Then I leave it up to the consumer as to what they want to do. Because I'm not going to hold them as a prisoner. Right. You know. But the, the things that I see, one, do not have credit pulled after you get pre-approved. Let's just talk about that. Because we get, I, I have talked to numerous people that are maybe working with these institutions where we know they're not going to be able to get a hold of them during the weekend. Mm-hmm. And then I tell them about the the realities of what yep. that looks like in our market. And so for them, and I, I then I pass their name along to you, Phil. Then you tell them what? Here's what I'm going to tell, tell you. As long as you do not have your credit pulled more than three times during it is the shopping process, which is basically 45 to 60 days, it's not going to affect your interest rate. And so okay? explain what a hard pull versus a soft pull is. We do a soft pull three days prior to the closing. All we do there is we're matching up liability to liability to make sure that you haven't increased your debt load. It doesn't affect the score. A hard pull. A hard pull, anytime you have your credit pulled, it's going to affect it one to two points. Doesn't affect it much, but... 
Let me give you an example. Our consumer, I pull credit on, they have a 721 score. That means they go into the 720 to 740 conventional FHA, whatever bracket that is, because all mortgages are bracketed by 20 and interest rates are based on the bracket. You have your credit pulled and let's suppose the credit's good for 90 days, but let's suppose you don't find your house for 120. Guess what? We have to repull credit again. All lenders have to do it. Credit is only good for 90 days. You decided to go apply for that Kohl's card. You got the Kohl's card. We told you not to do it. And now your credit score is a seven. I, I said, what was the score? 698 I said, now. I said, or no, it's 721. Yeah, 721. I said, now it's now it is a 718. Okay. Well, guess what? You've gone from the 720 to 740 bracket down to the 700, 720. Now, guess what? Your interest rate will be higher. And your insurance cost is probably going to be higher too. Correct. So when so when folks tell me that they're using you know Joe Schmo from Big Something in the Sky Real Mortgage Company, I say to them, do you do you have a face? Somebody that you can actually walk in and sit with them. Do you know that loan officer's closing history? Do you know that that loan officer has been doing this for a, a good amount of time where that they are experts in multiple programs? Do you know that they are going to close on time and prevent you from enormous pain and, and possibly losing your earnest money and possibly mm-hmm. being homeless? Mm-hmm. Okay, so when folks ask me for a good recommendation for a mortgage person, they can be assured that I'm also putting my name out there because I want to close on time because right. I don't want to watch you cry when <laughs> right. I cannot give mm-hmm. you the keys. Correct. And this is this is the reality of the situation. You know, you need to trust your your real estate professional on this because we have a lot of skin in the game. We spend hours, weeks, months taking people, showing them property. And when you find the one machine and we want to make sure that you can get the one understand that you're not you, that you're not set up for failure before you even start. And, and one of the other key things that Mimi that I think is important with a loan officer is they have to be able to react to red flags and be a problem solver and, a, and, and not a problem maker. Right. I cannot tell you the number of loans I have gotten done for consumers where they were denied by another institution. And it's because either it's the loan officer or the mortgage company, either one didn't have the program, didn't understand the program, didn't understand the guidelines, or they didn't have an investor. An example is we go direct to Fannie Mae. We have no overlays. I go strictly by their Bible. A lot of lenders have their own overlays. Talk about that, Phil, because that overlay term, I don't think a lot of folks know what that means. Okay. Uh, What it is, is it's specific guidelines that a lending institution has. So when you hear, well, this company will go down to a 580. This one will go down to a 620. But guess what? This one goes down to a 620, but they require that the consumer have two months reserves, meaning they have additional money in their bank account. Well, guess what? I can go all the way down to a 580 and there's no reserve requirement. Okay. Okay. So there, there, there are additional guidelines upon the federal government guidelines. That's what's called an overlay. So here, here's another thing with credit. Do not pay off debts. I cannot tell you the number of times 
my client thinks, well, I'm in the process, I'm approved, but I'm going to pay off a debt. Well, what happens if you have what's called thin credit? Thin credit means you don't have very many trade lines. And when you pay that debt off, you no longer are reporting to the bureau. And guess what? When you pay off a debt, believe it or not, your score can actually drop. I wouldn't think that. A lot of people don't know that. Here's the other thing. There are some investors that require so many trade lines. The minimum is normally three trade lines. So mom gives you $5,000 to pay your truck off because mom says, I want you to have it be easier on you to afford your home. They pay the car. One less bill for you. Well, they pay off the truck with mom's cash. Okay, we got a problem there already. Now we've paid off the debt. And the credit score drops. And oh, by the by the way, Mimi's been showing this client houses in the hundred and fifty thousand dollar range. Those are tough to find. It might take four, three, six months to find that property. But the consumer thought them paying off their debt was a good thing. Yeah. In real reality, it it if, actually is a bad thing. If you have anything going on between the time that you've decided to go looking at property to the time that you actually are closing and get the keys, you need to consult with your financial professional and your mortgage expert, Phil Olson, to make sure that everything that you're thinking about, if it has to do with money or debt, you need to get that verified with your mortgage professional first before mm-hmm. you do it. So these are things that I really should talk about. It's not I'm not just bugging or pestering you on something that's minor. No, okay. it's ultimately my goal is to get you from cradle to grave or to get you to the end of the rainbow. Right. And if you do something that you think was not an issue, it really could be an issue. I'll give you give you another great example. All right. Let's say your score is 745, which is a very, very good score. And then you make a large purchase on a credit card. Okay. Even though your debt to income ratios are good. Okay. You can afford it. It's not going to affect the loan per se. But guess what? You charge on your credit card and you charge it over 50% of the credit limit. Believe okay. it or not, your credit bureau is now going to hit you really, really hard for being over 50% of the credit limit. And guess what? Your score was a 745. And 90 days later, guess what? It's now a 716. Why does it hit you so hard? Because it's called utilization. Okay. The credit bureaus are monitoring how you're using your credit card. And once you get over the 50% of the credit limit. So let me give you an example. Credit limit's $4,000. You had a balance of $1,500. So you're maybe at 40% and now you make a $2,000 charge and now you're at 70% of the credit limit. The credit bureaus, all three of them are going to hit your credit report and they're probably going to hit it for anywhere between 10 to 20 points negative, which can actually cause your score to now drop. So when I pull credit and let's say I say you're a 745, right? you're a 745 for the next 90 days. You do anything between that 90 day period either pay off a collection account. That could be a good thing. Mm-hmm. It could be a bad thing. People don't realize when they pay a collection account off, they are basically stating to all the creditors, I'm guilty. And guess what the bureaus do? They double ding you for negative points. So you get hit one time for the collection coming on your credit bureau. Right. Then you get hit again for paying it off because you're basically telling them, yes, I was delinquent. I was wrong. I do. I wasn't good. And they hit you again. So there are specific rules and regulations as to when 
collections should be paid and when they should not be paid. A great example, medical collections never have to be paid. Really? A charged off account that's listed on the credit report. If it's charged off, it must not be paid. But if it's listed as a collection to ABC Collection Company, it must be paid if it's more than $2,000 or you have a composite of $2,000. Like I said, there's so many rules and regulations. That's why it's so important that the consumer works with a professional as myself who's been doing this for 15 years, and I will advise them right up front during the initial consultation as to what needs to be done. I think that it's important for folks to know how to get a hold of Phil Olson with Amec. Phil, what's the best way for folks to reach out to you? And if they want to take advantage of Phil's deal, of what was your special? $500 off. You work with Mimi and I, and I'm going to give you $500 off, off your closing costs. And all you have to do is mention Phil's deal, and they can reach you how, Phil? 651-238-6748. Or if you'd rather just email me, phil at com. And you can also go to Phil's website and start the loan process just by filling out the application at com. And be sure and making the notes there that you've heard about Phil's deal. And uh, we'll be sure and take great care of you. All right, when we get back, what do we still need to cover? And so, Phil, when we get back, I think we'll continue talking about the biggest bloopers that folks can make on their mortgage journey and their real estate journey as well. We've got some big ones coming up. Awesome. And we also are able to take your calls here at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. I'm Ms. Shannon with Mimi Shoneman from Remax Results and Phil Olson from Amec Home Loans. And we've been giving you some information today about avoiding pitfalls, some do's and don'ts as you're going through the mortgage process. We also are willing to take your questions if you have any during this final segment. It's 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071. And Mimi, just to kind of sum up, why are we going? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, Producer Sonny. What is your question of our expert? It's actually a question from one of our callers. It's from Becky. And she wanted to know, since she has um, a trust fund from her kids, would that affect her ability to receive uh, funding from the government as far as buying a home? That's a very good question. I would, to to wrap it up real quickly, I'd have to read a copy of the trust. I'd have to know how much income she's going to be receiving out of the trust Good standard rule of thumb is if you have more than $8,000 in your bank accounts after you close on the sale, you would not qualify for down payment assistance. Gotcha. And so the trust document, um, those are all specifically individually written. So, you know, anybody that would be dealing with trust issues would have to read through the trust documents in order to know what the terms are in that document, too. So for a caller that called about that question, uh, be sure and reach out to Phil if you've got questions about that. And Phil, they can call you how? 651-238-6748. Yeah. So um, there's lots of things that folks can do that can kind of offset the the apple cart Mm -hmm. in a not such a good way uh, when it comes to getting financing Mm -hmm. from the time that they've had the twinkle in their eye that they want to start looking. They're tired of HGTV. They want to see what it really (laughs) looks like in real life. And so they've called you. They've had their their consultation. What are some of the next things that you see folks do wrong after they've met with you? One of the biggest ones I've seen that actually caused a denial here about nine months ago is my client was a W-2 wage earner, was making like $150,000 a year, 
salary. Right. And he decided to become a contract worker for 220000 which means you're now becoming a 1099 employee, yes. which now means you're a self-employed borrower, which now means he needed to wait two years before he could buy his next house. You can identify with that, can you Completely, not? Completely, <laughs> yes. And that's exactly, you know, the, the timing is everything, but it's the same thing is that I, you know, I decided, yeah, I'm going to go out and forge this mm-hmm. path myself and, yep. and do it and I'm going to be making this much money and everything's fine. And then I got the opportunity to possibly buy a house. I'm like, if I had had this opportunity, you know, well, nine I, months ago, I'd have been fine. Yeah, and the other thing that us self-employed people do is we have a lot of write-offs, don't we, Phil? Yes. Correct, and that's where uh, if I'm working with a self-employed borrower and they're not thinking about buying immediately, I will actually sit down with them and help them do a planning session for their taxes, mm-hmm. even though I'm not a tax preparer and I'm not going to say I know the tax laws, but I do understand the mortgage financing laws extremely well. And I'm glad to review a consumer's self-employment tax return and basically guide them as to here's what you qualify now. If you file your taxes, maybe you don't take these specific write-offs. This is where your income would be. And it it really comes down to planning. Because you can back me into the amount of income that I need to have to qualify. Well, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say back you into it. I'm going to partner with your tax accountant, yourself and myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to basically tell you this is where you need to be to qualify for this specific income. Now, it's up to your tax preparer and yourself to determine if if we don't take all this uh these write-offs or if we start depreciating assets now when you depreciate you that's an add back to the consumer you can actually add that to income okay you know yeah you know another mistake i see with 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 employment is a consumer is working 40 hours a week and then something happens in the family and now they they bring their hours down to 25 well, guess what? They say they're full time. I work 40 hours. Well, in the last 90 days, you've only been working 25. Right. So it comes down to if once you get pre-approved by a legitimate mortgage loan officer and lender, you can't change a thing. If and that must be very difficult when you're dealing with your employment you know things like that because life gets in the way right and okay. you know you know so one of the can things you see why this is so important i'm sorry to interrupt you no. phil but if you're going to these online or you know pie in the sky mortgage on you know apply online blah 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 i mean every single person is a unique scenario mm-hmm. i would say no two people have exactly the same scenario when they sit down with you. Everybody is unique. It's like DNA. It is. And so how is an online program going to be able to figure out your DNA and do you any favors? I don't see how that's... They don't. That's, they don't. You, they, they, might, they might be a rate leader and maybe their rate is a quarter percent better. But here's the thing. They're only going to serve that cookie cutter consumer, meaning you're the golden egg. There's no issues. There's nothing. But when it comes down to you getting the guidance through the process of a home loan that sometimes or purchasing a home, which could have been a dream that started two years ago. Right. And you're not getting that guidance through the process. The consumer can actually step on a landmine and they don't even know they're doing it. So you said you'd go through the process like and it's okay to like start two years um, uh, in the process, talk two years back. Absolutely. So are you suggesting that if I am someone who is in that 1099 employment situation, Phil, that it's okay, even though I'm only six months into it and just started it. Mm-hmm. If I go, I probably want to buy a house somewhere down the road. Is it too early for me to talk to you? No. Okay. 
It's I would, never I, too it's early. Never, it's never too early. And if anything, you know, uh, I have so many clients that walk into my office and I'll do a one hour consultation or sometimes even two hours. And in the first 15 or 20 minutes, they go, oh my gosh, you've given me more information in the first 15 to 20 minutes. I went to the other bank. All they did was get me pre-approved for a loan. Well, guess what? It's more than just in a pre-approval. It's understanding the process, understanding what's going to be, what's going to transpire from cradle to grave. What are the issues that you're going to see? What is the marketplace right now? What are you buying they don't get any of that information. Where, and my, go ahead. Where do I, if I'm just starting that process, what kind of, is there a cost to me? What am I, you know, where do you get paid on this whole thing, Phil? Like, what am I, what no, am I going to get charged? Everything, everything I do up front, all the way through the whole process, there's no costs involved. Once we close the loan, Amic has a flat fee, which is thirteen ninety five. Okay. We charge that to every consumer. I don't care if it's a 50000 or a million dollar loan. It's thirteen ninety five. But my job as a true mortgage consultant is to help that consumer to where when they get to the closing table, there's no questions. And believe me, when my clients look me in the eye at the closing table, because I go to all my closings, they never, ever say, Phil, what's this? Okay. There's no surprises because I have a zero tolerance for surprises. My consumer has an expectation of zero tolerance. So... I'm looking for them to walk through that into that title company's office with a smile on their face and doggone it. If they don't leave with that smile, I didn't do my job. There you go. Um, so there's lots of lots of bloopers that I think that folks can also do. But if you work with a professional like Phil Olson with Amic, then you eliminate the possibility of that happening exponentially because of his vast knowledge and experience. Um, but he does look at each individual file. Um, with a fine tooth comb and processes it, and he has great knowledge of multiple programs. And that's a that's one thing I want to cover real quick before we come into the the end of the hour. Phil, you know what's the difference between a mortgage broker and a mortgage banker? A mortgage banker, um, let's let's just say they are Wells Fargo. Yes. Okay, they work for the bank. They are not federally licensed, just so you understand. They did not have to meet the criteria that I meet as a mortgage broker. I had to take a federal exam. I had to take a state exam. I also have to have an FBI fingerprint background check, FBI financial uh, check, FBI fingerprint check. I mean, we are far more scrutinized than any of the bankers. The bankers, they go under an NMLS number just like I do. But it's the bank's number. Okay. I have my own personal number. You can literally go to it's the Department of Commerce. Look me up. You can see if there was any complaints against me or anything like that. And believe me, I'm squeaky clean. Yeah. And I plan on keeping it that <laughs> I way. I guess the thing that I think that consumers need to know is that the the variety of programs that a mortgage broker would offer. And we always want to encourage you to get in contact with Mimi, get in contact with Phil. And remember, Phil has a deal right now. If you want $500 lender credit towards your closing costs, you can give him a call. And again, the number is Phil? 651-238-6748. And where do they find you, Mimi? MNRedHotRealEstate.com. And always, you can find us at MyTalk1071.com, keyword Red Hot. Paying bills on time? 
Oh yeah. Not maxing out credit cards? That's what I'm talking about. Learning what credit utilization is? Yes, give yourself credit. You can reach some pretty big goals like home ownership by taking small steps like those to build up your credit. Get started by leveling up your credit knowledge at FannieMae.com slash credit education. That's FannieMae.com slash credit education. Home ownership, here you come. Hey.